Hi, my name's Daniel O'Donoghue. I'm 43 years old. I was born and raised in New Zealand and I've been living in Denmark for the last 10 years. And it might surprise you to know that I haven't always been a geospatial podcaster. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. So this episode is going to be a little bit different. There's no guest in the studio with me today. It's just me. I'm going to share my story, tell you how I got involved in the geospatial industry and explain why I started a podcast. And towards the end of the episode, I'm going to answer one of the most commonly asked questions I get. So this is it. This is my story. This is this is my why. I really hope this doesn't come across as being too narcissistic or self-serving. That is definitely not the intention here. Every week on the show, I try to introduce you to experts, people that are doing something interesting in the geospatial world. And one of the first things I do when I have them on the show is ask them to introduce themselves. So this is obviously the polite thing to do, um, but it does a few other things as well. It sets the stage. It gives you an understanding of who these people are, where they've come from. It also hopefully convinces you that this person is worth listening to for the next 30 to 40 minutes. What I'm also hoping to do with these introductions is to show you that lots of different people are involved in this industry. They come to it from a lot of different backgrounds and have a lot of different skill sets and they're using their skills, their understanding in in very different ways. So the idea here is to show you that there is a whole bunch of opportunity out there. I hope that I've been doing a really good job of introducing these people to you, but I I realize now after 80-something podcast episodes that I've done a really poor job of introducing myself. So this episode, I'm going to introduce myself to you, talk a little bit about how I got involved in the geospatial industry, what my journey has looked like, what my career path looks like, and perhaps where it might go, and, and try and answer some of the questions that you, the listener, have been sending in to me. When I finished high school at the age of 18 in New Zealand, it was pretty clear that I was not university material. So what happened was that I went to an outdoor recreation school. So this was a school to teach you how to be an outdoor guide. So for two years, I studied rock climbing, whitewater kayaking and tramping or what Americans might refer to as hiking. And then, of course, the idea was to lead other people in the outdoors, take them on adventures, that kind of thing. And that was my life. I did that for six, seven years. And at the same time, I I was very restless. So I traveled the world. I think I was out of New Zealand for about six years and traveled through the States, Canada, Mexico, spent a fair bit of time in Central America, and then spent a couple of years just sort of moving around Europe, mostly on my bike, looking for rocks to climb on. I was 27 and I'd been living in Germany for a couple of years and I taught myself German and I had decided that, well, only clever people know two languages. I know two languages. Perhaps I'm a clever person. Maybe clever people should go to university. So that's what I did. I I realize it's a very simplistic thought process, but, but that was my thought process. So I packed up my troubles. I flew back to New Zealand. I signed up for a university course. My my idea at that stage was to do a master's and to focus on sociology. And I remember the first thing my mum said to me when I said, hey, I'm going to university, I'm going to do a master's degree. And the first words out of her mouth were, but Daniel, you cannot read. And it's not so much that I couldn't read, it's just that I wasn't very good at it. I was also not very good at writing 
uh, I'm not dyslexic, but I, I definitely have some some challenges around that. To this day, every time I write my name, I still have to say the letters out, you know, in my head, so I don't make an embarrassing mistake. So I mentioned before that my plan was to study sociology. I was really interested in, in culture and how they change over time. I thought sociology would be a great fit for me. Along the way, I discovered geography. I was like, wow, this is an amazing crossover. The overlap here is pretty incredible between sociology and the physical world. Like, This is me. This is my place in the world. I should be doing this. And somewhere along the line, I got introduced to, to GIS and Earth observation or remote sensing. And... To be honest, I hated it. I took a few classes in it. I absolutely hated it. Uh, but I was committed at that stage. I needed to you know, pass the semester so I could carry on my, my educational journey. So at the end of the semester, I was studying for the exams, you know, going through my notes, reading the you know, required reading, all that kind of stuff. And slowly but surely, it dawned on me what this was that I was doing and how useful it would be. And, and I was hooked. Um, yeah, I took every course I could find in GIS and remote sensing. I took every practical lab. When I was finished with the labs myself, I volunteered to be a tutor in the labs and help other people. I actively looked for projects that I could be involved with, sort of extracurricular activities that I could do, that I could help out with, that would increase my experience. And I went on to get several different scholarships and get my master's in geography. During the, the last year of my degree, I, I was also working for a, a research centre. It was called the Geospatial Research Centre, and it was amazing. So I was surrounded by these incredible people. I mean, talk about imposter syndrome. I don't know what I was doing there, but I was so grateful to be there that I, I wasn't going to point out to anyone else that I didn't belong. I learned so much from these people, just from being in the room. It was absolutely amazing. And they really opened my eyes to what geospatial could be, you know, what the possibilities were, what the applications were, how we could solve these problems and these different sort of convoluted methods we could use to solve the problems. You know, we, we didn't have a ton of money, so a lot of it was, uh, you know, make it up as you go along. And it was unbelievably inspiring. Five years after I had uh, started my degree, I was finished. I had my master's. In, um, in geography and also met and married a, a Danish woman, not just a random Danish woman, but a, you know, a Danish woman I'd been together with for, for a number of years. And we, we moved to Denmark. And here I'd like to say that if you are looking for a challenging start to your professional career, I highly recommend picking a country on the opposite side of the earth where they don't speak your language and timing it so that you arrive there at the end of a rather nasty financial crisis and start looking for a job. Of course, I'm being a little bit overdramatic here, but I hope you understand that it was a difficult time. There was a lot of things to do. And I think what really made the difference for me getting that first job, getting my foot in the door, were, were my technical skills. And I could you know, document a whole bunch of experience around university. So not just the stuff that I'd done at university, but the different projects I've been involved in, the tutoring I'd done, my work at the, the, the Geospatial Research Centre, all these things made me stand out. For the first few years of my career, I was just really grateful to have a job, to be in the industry, to have the opportunity to practice and improve on my, my craft. And I just kind of bumbled along, to be perfectly honest, for the next couple of years. Uh, we had two kids along the way. I was learning Danish, trying to fit into society here in, in Denmark to and to adjust to a landscape with almost no discernible terrain. I mean, th th these were big shifts for me, and I felt like I had enough to do. 
About five years into my professional career, something really dramatic happened and it, it changed the course and the trajectory and even my way of thinking about you know, geospatial and, and my role in the geospatial industry. My, my father-in-law, who had been a huge part of my time here in Denmark and our little family here, uh, went for a run one day and, and never came home. My wife and I were the ones that found him. He'd been lying on a forestry road for about two days in a muddy puddle of water and we were completely devastated. So what this meant for me and my career was that the career just went on hold. I, I just wasn't interested. We were in survival mode as a family and again we had, we had enough to do without focusing on advancing a career. So even though the career was on, on hold as it were, it like a whole bunch of questions started showing up in, in my head. And one of those questions was, is what I am doing meaningful? Am I helping? Am I, am I making things better? And increasingly, when I looked at my work, when I looked at the thing that I was spending my time on, the, the answer was no. I was starting to see myself as a cog in a very, very, very big machine. Now, to add insult to injury, a few years later, my, my father was diagnosed with, with something pretty horrible. I'm not going to go into the details here, but it doesn't end well for anyone involved. It's, yeah, it's the long goodbye. Now, when I share that with you, I'm not trying to be dramatic or create a fuss or get extra attention. I'm trying to frame what happened to me afterwards and how this shaped my career. As you can probably imagine, these are massive life-changing events and they, they force you to sort of look at your own situation, look at the work you're doing, where you're going and start asking questions and trying to figure out, you know, is this the right thing to be doing? Should I be spending my time on something else? And for me, what happened was I became increasingly frustrated for the organizations that I, I was working for. It seemed to me that they were screaming out for innovation in this space, but at the same time, the structural inertia of the organization itself was violently resistant to any kind of change. And, you know, I was sitting at my desk, I felt like I was doing a very repetitive job, and at the same time, the, the geospatial world, all this magic that's happening out there in the industry was passing me by. To be perfectly honest, I was looking for a way out, and one of the things, uh, one of the first things I tried was selling maps on the internet. So I thought, well, you know, I love maps. Other people might like maps too. I'm going to try and sell maps on the internet, and we did. If you look at Mapscaping website, this is how the whole thing started. Was I thought I could make some maps, things that I thought were interesting and beautiful, and represent the landscape in a very simplistic way, and sell them on the internet. So if you've ever tried this, you'll know that there is, it's not just, you know, build it and they will come. There's a whole bunch around that that needs to be done and there's a lot of learning involved. And so in order to learn all these things that I needed to know to sell maps on the internet, I started listening to podcasts because this is something I could do in my car while I was driving to work. I could tune into a podcast and learn about digital marketing. I could learn about how to get people's attention. I could learn about search engine optimization, I could learn about content creation and content marketing and all these things that I would need in order to sell my maps on the internet in order to you know, get away from the geospatial industry. The more I listened to podcasting, the more I fell in love with the medium. I mean, I just, I love consuming information in this way. I could drive to work and I could learn about all these interesting things. And I thought, well, I, I wonder if there's a podcast out there about geospatial stuff, about the things that I'm trained in, about my craft. And there were, and it was really, really inspiring stuff. And I thought, man, I wonder if I could do that. As part of my 
digital marketing efforts for the maps that that I was selling on the internet, um, I'd started growing a whole bunch of social media profiles. So mapscaping is on Twitter, it's on Instagram, it's on Facebook. And increasingly what I was finding was that people weren't really engaging with uh, maps so much as they were engaging with the other content that I was posting on there. And subconsciously, what I had been doing was finding things that I was really interested in. And these were new technologies, they were beautiful maps, they were different ways of visualizing data. And I'd been posting them on the internet and people were following along and engaging with that. And it made me realize that I'd gone about things the wrong way. I had created something and then I went look, looking for people for the thing that I had made. And when I looked at our social media following that was you know, growing day by day at that stage and, and still is, I wondered what would happen if instead of looking for people for my stuff, I went looking for stuff for my people. So I started asking around, you know, what can I do for you? How can I make things better for you? And so one of the questions I asked people on Facebook anyway was, if I made a podcast, would you listen to it? And overwhelmingly, the answer was yes. So I did. I, I made a podcast. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the details of how you make a podcast. If you are interested in that, go on the internet, type in how to make a podcast, and someone far more qualified than me will explain the ins and outs of this. Uh, here are a few things, though, that I didn't realize when I started the podcast. I didn't realize that it takes about an hour to edit 10 minutes of audio. For some reason, I, I never thought about the fact that no one would listen to the first many episodes that I produced, regardless of all the you know, blood, sweat and tears I, I put into it. I was really surprised that at the start it was really difficult to convince people to come on the podcast. I mean, I could see so much value in it and I was blown away that other people couldn't see the same value and that I had to really work to convince them. So, so looking back on those things, I mean, they seem really naive now. When I think about the, everything that I just mentioned there came as a real surprise to me. I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be. You know, in my mind, when I started this, I was like, well, there's lots of different podcasts out there, people talking on the internet with interesting people about interesting stuff. I can do that. Another thing that's really come as a surprise to me is how much I enjoy it. Like, I absolutely love this. Uh, I love it because it connects me with really, really interesting people that are doing interesting stuff. And I think this is the kind of inspiration that I, I personally have been really missing in my career up until now. This is by far one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever done in my professional career. And for the first time in a long time, I feel like I'm doing work that matters for, for people that care. So that's it. That, that's my journey. That's how I got here. That's why I started the podcast and why I'm doing what I'm doing. So at the start and the end of each session, I often say something like, hey, I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out if you've got questions. I'd love to hear from you. They'll help me with the direction of the show. They'll help me understand what it is that I should be doing, how I can make this podcast better for you. So lots of you have been incredibly generous and reached out and offered suggestions, advice, direction. And many of you have asked questions as well, which I really appreciate. I absolutely love hearing from you. If you're sitting out there and have a question, suggestion or advice, please let me know. I Honestly, I, I would love to hear from you. So I'd like to take the time to answer a question now that I get all the time. And the thing that people really want to know is what skills should I be learning? What should I be doing? You know, is there one thing I should be focusing on in, in terms of my geospatial skill set? And I, I think when I get this question, it's really tempting to point at a particular technology and say, hey, go learn that thing. That's going to be big in the future. That's the one I'd focus on. But 
I'm not going to do that. I would like to sort of point out something that's perhaps a little bit less obvious, and that is communication. Let, let me ask you this question. What did you say the last time somebody asked you what it is that you do? Did you sort of look at them with a blank face and say something with maps and the, and the internet? Probably. I mean, that, that's, that's what I do. I do it a lot, actually. I think what we, the, the skill that I would recommend people learn is firstly that you know, elevator pitch, where you can pitch to someone what it is that you do, how you add value. I'd get really good at that and have several different ones. So you can, you know, pull up a new one depending on who it is that you're talking to. You need to change the message so they get it. But communication for me is the be all and end all right now. I think there's a ton of technical understanding in our industry. You know, it's baked into our education, but communicating the value that we bring to whoever it is that we're working for or with I don't think we're really good at that. Arthur C. Clarke once famously said that any sufficiently sophisticated technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I think in the geospatial industry, the technology that we work with on a daily basis is sufficiently sophisticated. And to a lot of people, it appears to be magical. So, so magic is amazing, it's exciting, it's unclear how it works. And you can surprise and delight people with magic. But... It is unlikely that people are going to invest time, energy and their resources in something that's magical, in something that they do not understand. So I think what one of the really, really, really important skills that we should be learning as an industry and as practitioners in the industry is how do we communicate what it is that we're doing, the value that we bring, how do we explain to people that we can make things better by making better things. So I think that the wonderful thing about communication is it will be applicable in any industry that you go into in the future, not just in the geospatial industry or not even in a particular silo in the geospatial industry, but across all industries. This is going to be a really, really important skill to have. And another wonderful thing about it is it's easy to test, right? If you get really good at this, communicating the value that you're bringing to whatever it is organization that you're working for, you'll get to do these things again. You'll get to continue to work on interesting things. You'll get to continue to make things better. And that's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and it's been a pleasure being your host again this week. Um, this particular episode was incredibly difficult to record. It took me, I don't know how many hours to do it, but I really wanted to share my story with you. I hope it uh, answers a lot of the questions that I get on a regular basis. I really hope it, it, it helps someone. As always, you are more than welcome to reach out to me for whatever reason. You can find me on social media, join the email list. Um, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Just search for Daniel Mapscaping, I'll show up. And I would really love to hear from you. Okay, that's it from me. Talk again next week. Bye.